All right, well, good morning and welcome to everyone who will be watching and following along with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call Interview Series. I am Will Driscoll, the Executive Director here at the Hall of Fame. And as always, I'm happy to once again bring you an exciting episode of Hall Call. Uh, before we get started, though, I'd like to always thank our sponsors who help make Hall Call and other programs here at the Hall of Fame possible. Priority Automotive, the Beck Foundation, Optima Health, Hamilton Realty, Davcon Inc., White Claw Hard Seltzer, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1, and Davis Business Appraisers. Well, there's been a bit of a break with Hall Call over the last couple months from the induction and then planning our golf tournament, but we're happy to get it going again here today. And we're thrilled to be joined today by 2017 Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee Dre Bly. Chesapeake native and Western Branch High School alum was a two-time consensus All-American for the North Carolina Tar Heels and a two-time Pro Bowl selection across 11 seasons in the NFL. He's also a member of the Super Bowl 34 champion St. Louis Rams, and he's now taken those talents to the sidelines. After four seasons on staff at his alma mater, UNC, he's now entering his first season as an NFL coach with the Detroit Lions. So, Dre, thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Nah, it's good, man. It's always good to 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 talk. And um, again, you're you're a Virginia guy, so there's nothing better for me to, um, than to speak with my Virginia guys and to tell them about what you know what I have going on right now. Well, you speaking of Virginia, you were recently in town last week for the Norfolk Sports Club Jamboree. You were the keynote speaker that night. Uh, what does this area mean to you? And when you hear the, the number seven five seven. What sort of emotions does that bring on for you? Um, it, it's kind of, um, I don't know, it's hard to say, man, because um, I, I just think so highly of, of where I'm from and the relationship I was able to establish when I was there, the bond that I have with the fellow athletes, um, my family members back home. Uh, it, it, it means something special to me, um, holds a special place in my heart and um I mean, I love to to always acknowledge and to talk about the seven five and the relationships I have and and how the seven five and me growing up there helped me accomplish uh, my childhood dreams. One of the things we spoke about last week was your relationship with another seven five seven uh, area player and and a recent Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee, D'Angelo Hall. Can you give us some insight into your relationship? I know you're a couple years older than him, but your career paths are taking a pretty similar turn. Yeah, D, D Hall is like a little brother. Uh, you know, we went to the same elementary school, grew up in the same neighborhood, Camelot Elementary, uh, that, that, that neighborhood. Uh, you know, we're both from Chesapeake. He used to come to my barbershop that I had um, on Airline Boulevard, and my cousin quite a, cut his hair. So pretty much, you know, everything that I did um, at that, you know, at that time, D Hall was it was competitive. He was out to take me down, and um, and he did a pretty darn good job because our career was were, were almost identical. Um, it's crazy when I tell people that um, you know I think D Hall might have played 14, 15 years. I played eleven. Uh, he played in like three Pro Bowls. I played in two. Um, I won a Super Bowl. He didn't, but we both finished with forty three great ints, uh, which is pretty crazy for us to be from the same city from the same elementary school and we both had the exact amount of ints which is a lot you know we both yeah. you know uh were able to, to 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 get 43 picks and now you know i retired i got into coaching and was raising you know coaching my kids he got into broadcasting and now we both currently 
we DB coaches in the NFL. And so um, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, we, 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 you know, we like brothers, man. We talk often. Actually, we're supposed to be golfing in the next couple of days, but um, it's pretty cool to see his journey and to look at what I've done is, is pretty identical, but I'm not surprised because of how we were raised and, and how we, you know, where we came up. Uh, I think we wired the same and we're very, you know, there's a bunch of like-minded guys from that area. Yeah. I think the one thing he would say is he's got 10 defensive touchdowns to your eight. So, so you might have a Super Bowl <laughs> ring, but he, right, he right. got to eight. <laughs> right. He got me. He got me. <laughs> well, dude, b- before we kind of get into to you as a coach now, I love hearing recruiting stories. And, and I t- I've talked to Anthony Poindexter about it, Thomas Jones, D'Angelo and others. But when you were going from Western Branch to UNC, is there a particular recruiting story that stands out to you of a school that was that was pushing hard to get you there, and but then ultimately led you to UNC? Um, it, it, it wasn't because you know back during the '90s, recruit was a little different. Um, it was it just you know you didn't have all the different uh, outlets with two four seven and rivals to kind of help guys get recognition. But it was kind of like you know coaches recruiting; they they pulling out the roadmap and. And they coming to see you and stuff like that, sending a gang of mail and uh, letters in the mail and stuff like that. But, um, you know, when I was coming out, I was highly, you know, I was one of the highly rated, rated guys in the state. Uh, I think at the time I, I saw some, I, I might have been the second highest rated guy in the state. And I had Clemson and Syracuse, you know, they were top schools. Clemson won a na- national championship, I think, in the late 80s or something like that. And then Syracuse was really good during that time. And Michigan always recruited our area really well. And um, and so they were recruiting. Penn State recruited our area really well. But the five visits I had scheduled, I wanted to stay close to home. So it was Syracuse, which I don't know how that came in being close to home. But I guess because of the Carrier Dome and what they were doing, they, they made my top five. Clemson, you know, they made my top five. Virginia, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina. And um, I kind of always had my mind made up. I grew up a big Tar Heel fan watching Carolina basketball as a young youngster. That that seemed like it always came on TV. Them and UVA always came on TV in the uh, early 90s, late 80s. And somehow, you know, because of a guy named Michael Jordan, I fell in love with University of North Carolina. But the ice on the cake for me is when I went to go visit there and how beautiful the campus was, and everything that it presented to, to me and my family. Uh, we, thought it, we thought it checked all the boxes, but uh, I really don't have any crazy recruiting stories because I already had my mind made up that I was going to go to Chapel Hill. Just me visiting there with my parents uh, was, was the icing on the cake. Uh, Virginia Tech at the time, it was nothing in Blacksburg. They probably was number two. Uh, Blacksburg, I would say Tech was number two. Um, and then Virginia probably was number three. Virginia struck out because they only recruited me as a receiver. They didn't want me as an athlete. Rest of the schools recruited me as an athlete. So Virginia kind of struck out early uh, because they didn't see me. We had a guy named Petey Sessoms back in the day, and he yep. was a good receiver from Norfolk. And so they saw me like a Petey Sessoms. So they didn't offer the athlete uh, scholarship. It was just one side. But Tech, I went to Tech. Let me tell you the story. I can't tell you a story about going to Virginia Tech. I visited Virginia Tech during a Christmas break. Campus was empty, and there was nobody on campus. So I'm saying to myself, oh, my goodness, what is there to do for a 19-year-old kid down in Blacksburg 
in the mountains. And uh, so that kind of like made me kind of turn my shoulder, turn my nose up to tech because when I went there, outside of the college atmosphere or the college environment, it really wasn't anything going on in Blacksburg. And so that kind of, even though my high school coach, Lou was kind of pushing tech because he was a tech guy, right? Yeah. Um, but that, that, that kind of uh, marked tech off the list and just left Carolina right up there by himself. So I ended up choosing North Carolina. You're breaking some Hokies fans' hearts with all of that. And then, you know, you put together quite a nice career at UNC, College Football Hall of Famer, as I mentioned, two-time uh, All-American, consensus All-American. Um, and you also, you as I mentioned, you're now in coaching and you're going into your first year in the NFL. But the last four years, you've actually spent back at your alma mater, UNC. What was it like coaching in the collegiate ranks, going from the recruiter instead of the recruited? Now, it was pretty cool, you know, for me. Uh, again, uh, it really didn't matter uh, that I was recruiting for the University of North Carolina. You know, the, the, the best thing for me was to help these kids and help get them out of the neighborhood, you know, be a resource for these coaches, uh, providing something different that these other coaches can provide. And that's why I was able to, to, to do as well as I did recruit because it wasn't, I had no personal interest. It wasn't driven for me. It was it was strictly driven to, to, you know, to, to help the individual and to help the school. And so, and that's what I tried to do. I tried to put my, my area on the map. I was able to, you know, wanted to bring in coaches, bring Mag, make sure Mag visited every school, um, you know, telling them my vision for those guys, um, you know, what was important grades academically, because I played with a lot of guys that didn't make it. It probably was equally as good as I was when I came out, but it fell short because, they didn't apply themselves in school. And so I think the coaches and the kids saw how genuine I was. And I think I was able to separate myself from some of the other recruiters because of, you know, what it meant to me to come home to recruit my area. And so that's why I was able to elevate myself. And I'm going to tell you what, I got another funny story. So the very first time I was recruiting, I was out at IC Norcom. And this might've been the first weekend now. And again, me being a former NFL player coming into college, I was clueless on the other coaches. I didn't really know a lot of coaches or who was who. I knew a few few head coaches because of the names, you know, Dabo and some of the other guys, Nick Saban. But I really didn't know a lot of names. Uh, I didn't know if he was a top coordinator, if he was a top position coach. So I happened to go to Norcom, right? And they had a, a coach that was in the school and everybody was excited. And I thought they was excited because I was there, right? It, it, come to find out, it was somebody else in the school that was very popular that everybody was excited to see. And I'm like, who is this? Like, I, I had no clue. Um, and so he ended up being Coach Venables, right? And mm -hmm. I had no clue who Venables was, right? They just won a national championship. And, you know, so he was a very popular guy. So when I tell my other coaches this in Carolina, they found it funny because, again, you know, the college football world is they all connected and, you know, those guys have worked together. Again, me being a new coach, I had no clue. They said, dude, you don't know who that is? He's the highest paid defensive coordinator <laughs> in, 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 um, in all the college football. He just won a national championship. And now my thing was, um, you know, no disrespect to, to any of those guys. And, you know, he's a great coach. But the way I'm wired, and it's kind of how I was raised, being from the 7'5", um, I'm a competitor. And um, 
you know, my thing was I had no clue who Coach Venables was, and he's an outstanding coach. But the way I'm wired, uh, no matter what he's done, right, um, I won a Super Bowl. Um, I played 11 years in the NFL, so I feel like my resume is just as strong as anybody else. So I wasn't going to bow down to any to him or any other top-notch coach that came through the 7-5. I had a purpose, and it meant something to me. So um, I wasn't going to bow down. But it was kind of funny because – I kind of joked with them. I said, Coach, now, if you need anything, if you turn down the wrong street down in Portsmouth, you can call me. <laughs> I know a few guys that might can help you get out that neighborhood, but uh, I just wanted to let you know, Coach, the 7-5 is my territory. This is where I'm born and raised. And so <laughs> it, it means something to me to come, you know, to, to come into these schools. And so he got a good little laugh out of it. But, you know, Coach Venables is an outstanding coordinator. He's done a great job. He, um, I like, you know, this is the thing about Coach Venables that I love. He didn't take it personal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he he knew that I was just joking, just playing, and um, I didn't mean anything bad by it. But um, that's why he's a head coach. That's why he's the great out, you know, the, the outstanding defensive coordinator that he was because he's very relational, and he didn't think anything of it. So that was a cool little score, story that I tell people about one of my first recruiting trips down to the 7-5 was bumping into Coach Venables, and I had no clue who that was. That, that's a great story, and, and you definitely built that pipeline between the 7-5-7, really all of Virginia, to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. But you also talked about wanting to be an influence for the players coming up. You know, Now that you're a coach and you get to be that influence, Kind of think back to you as a player, who was your influence, your initial influence that, that kind of got you to where you are now? Um, I, you know, they, they, they kind of got me, they led me along this path of, of where I am today. You know, mother and father got to first acknowledge those guys because mother and father taught in Norfolk for over 30 years. My only sibling, she teaches at Morehouse High School, so I kind of was raised. In former that. biology teacher. But, right. <laughs> My you're, you're, former yes, biology yes. teacher. 100%. <laughs> so I was kind of raised in that 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 teacher's um, household, and it was kind of, you know, it was kind of, it's like in my DNA. So that kind of got me started along the idea of what I'm doing and mentoring and giving back and teaching. But just realizing I have a passion to 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 teach the youth right um it was a couple of guys that i you know i would say you know coaching that i saw in mac brown and um you know coach johnson some of the guys you know dick Vermeer, some of the guys that i played for that kind of i thought were outstanding coaches and just looking at the impact that they had on my life and some of my teammates lives um and just me being a a a, a son of teachers uh i just felt like i had a lot in common with coaching and so I, I wanted to pursue it realized that I had a passion at giving back and 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 players responded to my message I just dove in here first man and I love it give me a chance to compete it give me a chance to have fun it give me a chance to teach it give me a chance to um just impact the, the youth and and the most important thing and I'm gonna leave you with this um is having a chance to help these kids learn from my mistakes have a chance to be better than you know what I was, uh, you know, if we're not trying to impact the youth and and trying to make this world better, then what are we doing? Yeah, just got a couple couple more questions for you here. That's I know fine. you got a busy busy schedule, but what is something as a player that used to maybe upset you, but now as a coach you completely understand? Um, well, I would say, ask me that question one more time. 
So when you were a player, is there something that used to annoy you about coaches that now that you're in the coach's seat, you completely understand from this, from that perspective? Well, a coach nagging over you, right? Just constantly, you got coaches that's, that's constantly in your ear. Uh, but there, 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 there needs to be a time where the coach got to let you play, right? You give them the message, but you can't overcoach them. And that's one of the problems now that I, I think just being in high school and being in college and now in the NFL, I've seen a lot of different methods and I've seen a lot of different people coach. You got some coaches that coach the player throughout the whole play. Uh, and that's, <clears throat> to me, that's where the college game is today. You know, it's a chess match, right? You got coaches coaching them all the way up until the ball is snapped. You know, that's why there's a no huddle. That's why they, you know, you see the guys looking at the sideline and, you know, they, Man, that's that's where the game is today in college. And so um, in the NFL, uh, players don't want to hear that. You you coach them in the meeting room. You coach them in practice to an individual. Um, you know, we have a thing with the Lions, Aaron Glenn. Uh, he don't believe in slowing up practice to coach. You coach him after practice and tell him what he did. You don't, during the play, uh, you let him figure it out, right? You let him figure out what he did, and then you coach him up afterwards. And so... Uh, I think that's the best way to do it because you got to have a clear mind. You can't have a coach. You can't have him nagging you throughout the play. And you, you got, you know, one of the things I used to tell my guys, somebody told me this when I played, you got to say garbage in, garbage out. Hear it process and you got to keep it moving. Uh, you can't play and be effective when you got the coach or you hear his voice in your ear during the play. And so what I learned how to do, and, and I think, it's a skill set you got to be able to have to play the position that I play, but you got to have short-term memory. And again, you know, I've been able to hear the message, but process it and then throw it away. And so because of that, what I was able to learn as a player and what affected me and bothered me as a player, um, I try to make sure that I not overcoaching and, you know, you let the players process, you give it to them, but you let them process it. And then you coach them up later. There's a time and place for everything. So that's one of the things I think I've learned uh, now that I'm on the other side of the fence is to not overcoach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't learn from your mistakes unless you have the freedom to actually make mistakes. And that that's kind 100%. of how people get better. You know, you're, you're entering your first season as a defensive backs coach for the Lions. What drew you to this particular opportunity to make the jump from college to the NFL? Well, again, you know, college was great. Did a lot of great things, uh, recruiting and mentoring young men, bringing kids back to my alma mater. Uh, had a chance to play in the ACC championship. Uh, had a chance to play in the Orange Bowl. Uh, had a chance to be the top recruit in the ACC. So, I, you know, I, I, I had fun, man. It was outstanding. Had a chance to recruit the 75 and come home off and see my mom and dad. Um, the one thing I loved about the NFL uh, is more teaching. Uh, I think, you know, it's just ball. It's strictly ball. So uh, you don't have to worry about NIL. <laughs> you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, managing parents. Uh, you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, making sure if a kid get in trouble, uh, you know, all of that stuff, man. You can just teach ball. You know, I got into this game actually because I love to teach. And mm -hmm. teaching ball for me is what it's all about. All the other stuff was cool because I feel like I do have a gift at uh, inspiring the youth and, and and delivering a message and mentoring, you know, because I am a teacher. Um, but I wanted to be strictly about ball. I think I think I think I can teach um, 
really, really good. Uh, one of the things that I feel like that separate me from the other guys is I'm not just a guy that's on the board, uh, X's and O's. Uh, I'm a guy that can show you. And that's different from the type of coaches that I had when I was playing. All those guys was basically schematic guys and scheme guys and, um, you know, guys that could tell you how to do it. Well, I want to be a guy that can show you how to do it. And I think that's the way the game is trending. If you look at sports all across this 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 world uh, with baseball, they're all former players. You look at basketball, they're all hiring former players. And you look at the staff that we was able to accumulate in Detroit, it's, it's nothing but former players. And, uh, and so I love it. Uh, you know, we have I have instant credibility with the players. And the number one quality you can have as a, as a coach, I think, uh, is leadership qualities, right? And that's what Dick Vermeer was, the guy that I played with. He was a phenomenal leader. And I think that's what Dan Campbell is. And so, and I think I have that quality as well with, with leading men. So uh, I'm excited about the opportunity. Um, I love to teach. Um, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity. You get you out of here on this. You mentioned you have that credibility having played, and now your goal now is to get that belief and that buy-in from the players. But what is one thing that Dre Bly, the coach, would go back and tell Dre Bly, the player? Um, it's a process, right? It's a process. Everything happened for a reason. I fell in the draft in 1999. I didn't understand. I, I realized that when I got older, um, why I fell, how I fell, um, the reason why I fell, um, but it's a process. You know, like I said, my message last week, a couple of weeks ago, you know, life is a journey uh, and you got to understand the journey. You got to understand the process. And that's my message to these guys. All the mistakes that I made, all the things I didn't do as well, it's my job to tell my players about that so they cannot make the same mistakes that I made. And so, and that's the beauty of it, right? Um, and that's why I thank God has called for me to do what I'm doing. It's for me to deliver the message um, of all the experiences that I had from playing this game. And hopefully it can lead to some great things. And so that's why I'm so motivated to, to do what I'm doing, uh, to be around the men that I'm around. At this point as a player or as a coach, if you ain't learning, then you're in the profession for, for the wrong reason. And you're not going to grow in this profession. I don't care how many years you're going to play, how many years you're going to coach. If you can't learn, even if you play 20 years and coach 20 years, then it's a problem. And with me, I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to better my craft and I'm always trying to learn. Well, definitely an exciting time for you. you you're entering your first season with the Detroit Lions, a team that just missed the playoffs last year. So there's definitely some positive momentum with the franchise. I know you're really busy, but I do appreciate you taking some time today, especially with training camp coming up in a few weeks. You're gonna, your schedule is going to be extremely busy over the next six months. But we wish you the best of luck, and thank you for taking some time today, Dre. I appreciate it, man. You have a good one. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank everyone who will tune in or watch and listen to this interview. As always, thank you to our sponsors that you see over my shoulders. Be sure to stay up to date on all things Virginia Sports Hall of Fame and the Hall Call interview series by following our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And you can also listen to the Hall Call podcast on Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Once again, I'm Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Whatever you do, participate, don't spectate, and we'll see you next time.